those nights when one drink with the girls turns into a bottle, but you need your car for brunch the next day. There's pickup. Or at Friday work drinks, where you don't want to leave your car with expensive tools at the pub. There's pickup. Don't miss out on the fun. Get a pickup. Simply book on our app, and we'll pick you up to drive you and your car home. Two drivers arrive, one drives you home in your car, and the other driver follows. Download the pickup app today. That's PKUP, and wake up worry free. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Every champion's journey starts somewhere. And on the eve of Jamie Wincup's retirement from full-time racing, Inside Supercars has spoken with some of the people who were part of his journey to Triple Eight and his eventual domination of the sport. He's become like the, the consummate professional as far as motorsport is concerned. He, he, he does his job. He always lets his driving do his talking. The thing that I would suggest stands out most and, and I'm sure still does to this day is one of the most single-minded people that I've ever met in my life. Jamie doesn't get the credit that he deserves for, for the amount that he's done, in my opinion, because he's been for so many years the benchmark in the sport. This is the origin story of Jamie Wincup. We speak to his uncle, Graham Wincup, karting mentor, Grant Lindstrom, Mick Ritter, who guided him through his Formula Ford years, and Tim Miles, former owner of Tasman Motorsport, his final stop before joining Triple Eight. The story starts with Dad, Dave, and Uncle Graham deciding the career in motorsport was a logical choice. I started motorsport quite late in life, and I wish I'd gone back, you know, a lot earlier and started earlier in something not, not as quite as developed as the Monza was, because I, I never did it justice as the way when, when I built the car. So when Jamie come along, and this is all David's fault, because David, Jamie's father, used to take me out to Calder and, and to Fisherman's Bend and got me around motorsport probably when I was eight or ten years old he dragged me along to car races and he had friends that had cars so when Jamie was born and because David and I had been actively involved in in the Monzas and things like that he really never had much of a choice like he was going to be a race car driver whether he thought it was a good idea or not David and I thought it was a great idea so that was that. Going racing was a family affair and David and Graham Wincup had a lot of fun with each other. When we used to go to the uh, to the go kart races, or or and then on to um, motorsport in 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 Formula Ford or Formula, uh, Dave was always there, of course, and uh, people used to come up to me, people I'd I'd known for many many years from racing sports sedans and so on, and say, you know, I think it was Gary Rogers might have said it one day, and he was one of many. You know, Gray, you're a great bloke. You always bring your father along to the car racing and. They always thought that David, my Jamie's father, was my father and Jamie was my son because Dave had silver hair. Like, he, he, his dark hair um, disappeared into, into a light grey when he was in his late 20s, so he always looked a lot older than what he was. So it was always a bit of a, bit of a joke. Oh, yeah, I always bring my dad along to the races, and <laughs> Dave used to get so annoyed with it. With the cart purchased and Jamie starting racing, Graham felt he needed to assist his brother to ensure his nephew had the best possible grounding in motorsport. And I thought, well, 
I've got to try and help as much as I can as early as possible to give him a great foundation um, in motorsport. So by the time he gets to 18 or 20, that he, he's got all the racing knowledge and, and everything behind him that he needs to go on and become a champion. Their preparation of Jamie wasn't just about his cart and driving fast. It's very cheap to look presentable, you know. We uh, and I got growing up um, through through great parenting to always just make the most of each situation. It doesn't cost anything to make sure your go kart's clean every time you hit the every time you hit the track. So we would uh, we we'd, we'd spend Monday to Friday making sure we're all ready to go and as presentable as possible, and go out there and do as professional job as you can. It's just amazing, um, not just in this sport, but you never know who's watching on, you know. You know, in, in all facets of life, you've got to respect your elders. I was brought up like that, and, and Dave was brought up like that. We had a, a fairly hard taskmaster in our dad, and, and Jamie was brought up the same way, to do the right thing and, and respect your elders. And, and I remember this young fellow um, at a go-kart race got up at an, on the dais, and he, he, he looked like he'd just been dragged through the local tip and... Uh, didn't present very well and got up there and he said, thank the club and I'd like to thank my old man for bringing me. And I was aghast at this kid, you know, and if you remember back in the old days, Tony, whenever we went somewhere, we were always clean and tidy. We had uniforms, everything was clean and tidy. Jamie went up to pick up a a trophy and um, he was dressed reasonably well and and with the, the, the team uniform on. And I said to Jamie on the way back after he, he picked up his trophy, I said, if I ever hear you talk like that, mate, I'll kick you in the backside. And thank goodness he's, he's never, ever been disrespectful to anybody, uh, as far as I know. And uh, that's just a, another part of, of him growing up that I suppose we we tried to teach him, um, you know, not only have you got to be a good race driver, but you've got to be a good person. And, uh, and respect your sponsors and, and, and everybody else around you to do the right thing because no one likes to uh, be involved with a, with a person that's got no respect. Graham said to help develop his presentation skills, they encouraged Jamie to attend Toastmasters from a very early age. Toastmasters was, was a thing that, that uh, was relayed to us through a friend that was very heavily involved with it. And it was a little bit of personalised tutoring with with Jamie, and um, we used to uh, have a. Uh, I still have a, a farm, which is about a two-hour drive out of Melbourne, and uh, sometimes we'd pick up Jamie on the way up there, and uh, we'd uh, give him a, a subject that he had to talk about for ten minutes, and. Uh, it was quite funny, some of the things he used to say, you know, uh, talk about split pins or or uh, all sorts of stupid things. But it, it gave him a great grounding that he could he could communicate and, and talk about things with, with uh, um, promoters or TV or media like that. And he's still very good at that today. Mentor Grant Lindstrom, an established cart team manager, and Uncle Graham agreed Jamie had an innate driving ability as a junior in carts. Jamie was exceptionally good at was on cold tyres and in slippery conditions he was just he was exceptionally good at that. In a go kart in a race situation he he'd uh, he he'd jump the first the start and jump the first lap and always he'd always pull a gap if he was you know if he was on the front row thereabouts. 
uh, he was always exceptionally good on on, on um, cold and 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 he was very good on slippery condition track too. Right back at go kart days, you know, he he was always a good qualifier. You know, you go through your heats and Jamie would always end up in the finals in the first two rows, and and that was sort of what was expected of him to do. He probably like most kids that age, they take a little while to, to blossom, but then uh, then then Jamie blossomed a lot. But he was just—I I just wrote down a few little notes that I sort of remember. And back then, with the cadets or what they called rookies and midgets, we used to do a lot of you know engine development or trick around with engines and things like that. So Amy was always really good for testing because he always he'd do a, he'd always give it a hundred percent, and uh, he would always be consistent at what he did, which you know obviously went on to what he showed in his career. You know, he was always keen to test too. Where a lot of kids at that age, they sort of get a little bit. Uh, I get a bit over it after they've done quite a few laps, but Jamie was always really keen to keep going. And if if he, if he wanted to do something else, he was more than keen to to have another go at it. You know, here's Uncle Graham again, right through from rookies to juniors up until you know his Formula A time. He had good people around him with Grant Lindstrom and Remo Luciani and Les May and these sort of guys, and and the expectation was always there to do the job. Um, not not to make up the field. Like we're not here to. This is this is not. This is probably a bit crude, but we're not here to have fun. We're here to win races. You know, we're 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 not making up the numbers. So that was Jamie's job, and and um, he he went out and did what he had to do, uh, and he didn't make a big fuss about it. That's that was part of his job. He was part of the team, and he was to go out and win races. And and I, I suppose. It, it just happened each weekend, one after the other, and um, without being very biased, that's what he, he did. In 1998, he moved from juniors to seniors. His first outing was the Portland Street Prix. Here is Ian Sylvesteran's call of the closing stages. Jamie Wincup wins the 1998 Portland Street Grand Prix Formula 100 final, and it's quite a magnificent victory for this man as this is his first a very young Jamie spoke about his Portland win. It's good, nice long strays, there's twisty turns, it's a bit rough in some places, but the whole layout is very good. There's a lot more people here and they've just improved on it so much over the year. Grant Lindstrom. He, he was quite um, quite dominant there and it was a very good field too. I think it was Mark Woodward was there and maybe Paul Dumbrell and there was a few others there. The reason he was so good on a street circuit is because, as I said before, his control on... On, on a slippery surface, which a street circuit obviously is, or, or was when we used to have them, yeah, that, that, that was pretty incredible effort for his first up. By the end of 1998, Ian Sylvester magazine, Card Oz, had announced Jamie Wincup as the Australian Carter of the Year. I think mean, that was 98, he won the Commonwealth of A, and then um, 99, he won Formula A, I think. Scott Gullen has just spent the last 12 months working with Jamie to write his autobiography, Drive of a Lifetime. Go-karts, they were his uncle, dad and him. They were known as the you know, the Holden team because they had the polos and the tents and they were well-dressed. And There was a perfection about what they did then. They, they stood out because they were the best going around. Grant Lindstrom. The thing there was they, they, they actually revolutionised go-karting a little bit as, as far as Go-karts used to be pretty plain back then. You know, people wouldn't paint them or what they'd be painted, but the plastics wouldn't be colour-coded or anything like that. And they, they, what they did, and, and Jamie 
was all for it too. He's probably helped helped design a lot of it. Is you know they they made up sticker kits and things like that to put on the on the cart to make it just look so much more professional. But you know what it actually looks like now. They uh, it, it was probably a little bit rawer than what it what it is now. But um, yeah, they 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 did a lot of that. So um, and and they were probably one of the first ones then to because Graham had the you know grashing t-shirts t-shirt business. They made a lot of t-shirts for our business and and hats and things like that, which was something that not many people had back then. So they had all team stuff and things like that. So they, they looked like a, a look professional. You look at it now, you probably think it's not that professional, but for you know back in the early nineties, it was it was quite uh, quite professional. You know, so. Young WA driver Garth Tander was the new kid on the block in supercars and started noticing that this young hotshot Carter at the track, who would later become Jamie's first full-time teammate. Known Jamie for a very long time, um, even really before he moved into Formula Ford, so it was probably his last year in karting. Um, a lot of my mates from my karting days in Victoria were involved with Jamie's karting um, as he was finishing up, so racing in the Australian title. So went to a few of the big Australian kart meetings as Jamie was in his final year, I think it was, of karting with, with my karting mates and and, um, and took notice of what he was up to. After a season of running their own Formula Ford, they contacted Mick Ritter, who was building his business, Sonic Motorsport. After mentoring Alex and Will Davison, he was looking around for the next crop of young stars. Obviously first came across Jamie... Um, when he, I was, you know, pretty involved with the Davison family, and and of course Will, um, particularly Will and Jamie were were good mates, along with Alex. You know, that obviously uh, had their karting careers together and hung out a fair bit and so on. Um, and Jamie was, you know, at that time just embarking on his, you know, what was the start of his sort of Formula Ford. Um, career um which at the time he was a a little family run thing you know that sort of graham and and his dad dave were largely i suppose orchestrating with the help of um a couple of other guys um so you know we sort of watched him a little bit over the first sort of couple of years and obviously took you know he was he was already performing at a you know pretty high level in a little privately run thing and um Obviously came, you know, we, we did a deal with the Wing Cups um, for 2002 and things went from there. Inside Motorsport spoke to Jamie Wincup about his domination of the 2002 Formula Ford Championship. Well, at the start of the show, I mentioned we'd be speaking with Jamie Wincup. He's heading to Oran Park to continue on his fantastic run. Four wins already in the Formula Ford Championship. And I started by asking him if he had run at the Oran Park circuit previously. It is indeed. Yeah, I raced at the track last year in the Formula Ford Championship and uh, I'm very familiar with the track. We uh, was tested there before this year and done a lot of testing last year. The championship's as strong as it's sort of ever been. You know, our team is 1-2 at the moment. The, the Sonic, Valvoline, Cummins, Repco team are, are working really hard and really well and Although we're only halfway through the championship, we are leading the, uh, the, the championship quite convincingly and, uh, and hopefully uh, we, we continue that performance towards the end of the season. 
Well, not really, you know. Records are sort of a bonus. You can go out there, records along the way, well, so be it. You definitely don't, or no driver goes out. But, uh, you know, in saying that, it's, uh, it's a great achievement for myself to be able to uh, be the first ever driver to win for, hopefully, at uh, Oran Park, we can make it five. I think that the track selection has been really well, or really good. We, uh, as you say, we went to Wakefield Park, and that's a very sort of quite a small track. We uh, we get round the track in a minute, two seconds. Uh, it offered really, really good racing. There were four or five cars right up the front, battling for uh, first position. Really, a, a great weekend. And then we went to Canberra, which. Uh, which is unbelievable to, to race around the, the Parliament building like we did on the other side while we race cars, and it's really a, sort of a, a great thrill. Um, I've raced go karts, as I say, uh, a few times during, down the streets of Street Manning and Portland Street Manning and, and places like that. So I, I think uh, racing street circuits in go karts definitely helped me at Canberra. Um, and yeah, we were lucky enough to come away with two wins, which is great. I started racing go-karts when I was seven years old and we, you know, we just work hard at everything we do. Every championship we, uh, we sort of go in, we put in our 100% and, and try to finish high up in the championship as possible. And uh, yeah, in 1998 and 1999 I, I won a couple of Australian championships. Since then we've raced Formula Ford and it's not until this year that we've uh, we got involved with Sonic Motorsport involving Michael Ritter and, and Andy Gilbert. Um, who's really pushed our Formula Ford for the campaign along and Michael, uh, he's been around Formula Ford for years and, uh, and done a couple of good drivers in Australia, as you say, Will Davison. Uh, he runs Stuart McColl before that and then Will's older brother, Alex. Now, all that data and information that Michael's um, obtained over those, those three drives, so quick, uh, quick is what it is uh, today. Uh, so yeah, we really did have a, a really good base set up and we've got a lot of data to go by. Um, but at the same time, you know, we've developed the car a lot between myself and my teammate Marcus. Um, you know, we've really worked hard this year and, and found a lot of time out of the car. Like, uh, you know, from, from the, the way the car is now to what it was at the start of the year, it's probably a good half a second quicker than, than what we started off with. And uh, that shows that the lap times we've been producing, uh, you know, at the race means which we've competed at. So, uh, no, you know, we're all... the You know, the development before... Uh, I come along into the team has really helped, and uh, but no, we're still working hard and still still developing. And as I say, we're leading the championship in the moment. There's still a long way to go. We're only halfway, and uh, and for that, yeah, hopefully a good result. We've had a few options uh, to race cars overseas, and uh, we've also got a few options to race cars in Australia. The past champions of Formula Ford have sort of scattered in all directions. Some have gone to England, some America, some have gone to Germany to race cars. At the end of the day, it all comes down to, to what opportunities arise and do arise, making the most of the opportunities. Getting your name known around Australia is just uh, being in the right place at the right time, and uh, you know driving cars quick and, and having good results. I am trying to work on my uh, my own PR and hopefully that works forward over the years to come. Who knows what, what we're going to come up with at the end of the year. You know, all I can do is put in my 100%, keep uh, racking up results, hopefully they speak for themselves. Jamie Winkup, certainly a driver to keep an eye on for the rest of this season.
Mick Ritter reflects on Jamie's attitude and determination through those Formula Ford years. Probably the thing that I would suggest stands out most, and and I'm sure still does to this day, is um, probably you know one of the most single-minded people that I've ever met in my life. So that that is that that for me is the absolute standout, and you know the work ethic that goes with that. The next step was not far off, and Graham Wincup talks about how Jamie made his first step into the supercar series. Well, Gary had a lot to do with Valvoline and, and Valvoline um, <clears throat> were sponsors of Mick Ritter and Mick and and um, Gary used to talk quite regularly and, and Gary would be up on the wall at a lot of the Formula Fords were running side by side and he sort of looked at Jamie and and um, thought, you know, this, this guy's going to be okay and, and of course Gary and I raced against each other uh, in sports sedans and and were friendly rivals for many, many years. And he used to talk to me about Jamie and um, that's how it happened. He got the opportunity to have a test with Gary at Winton um, one day. Uh, Gary tried out three or four other, other guys and uh, Gary decided that Jamie... Um, would would have a steer on in one of the supercars. Here's Mick Ritter again. Clearly, um, that was a effectively, I think, you know, more or less the arrangement with um, with Gary Rogers back in the day was that if he, um, I think, you know, it, it was something that they got we got talking about during the course of the year. If Jamie won the championship or looked like he was going to win the championship, um, he was on for a, you know an enduro ride with him, and he. He just happened to, um, I think, clinch the Formula Ford Championship that same weekend at Queensland Raceway on the very same weekend as, a, you know, whatever he was at the time, probably 18, um, doing double duty in his first, you know, first crack in a supercar as an enduro. So it's a um, pretty amazing thing to think about these days. Garth Tanner. When he moved to Formula Ford, he ultimately ended up in the Valvoline-sponsored Formula Ford, which was run out of the Sonic stables and um, obviously I was driving a GRM at the time so we had a, a strong Valvoline connection through the sponsorship and at that point in time Gary was responsible, Gary Rogers was responsible for allocating the Valvoline money towards Formula Ford so we were obviously keeping an eye on the Valvoline Formula Ford which Jamie was driving and he won the championship easily the year that he won the Australian Formula Ford championship and he pretty much jumped straight into a Valvoline supercar and uh, I think that was 2002 when he won the Formula Ford Championship and he did the endurance races with us at GRM, teammates with Max Dumsney sharing the car in the endurance races. Jamie and I became teammates in 2003 at Gary Rogers Motorsport in his first full year in the Supercars Championship. So, you know, basically we start, I was his first ever full-time teammate in supercars. Graham Wincup said the transition was a tough one for a young driver. I, I think, uh, and this is all the respect to, to GRM in the world, that, you know, Jamie got out of a Formula Ford at uh, Queensland Raceway and virtually changed his overall, ran straight up and hopped into a Commodore and raced, um, um, raced it in an endurance event that weekend. And there was really get in it and drive it, mate. And, and I don't think Jamie had done very little amount of driving a manual car, let alone 
you know, hopping into a, a race car. So perhaps there could have been a little bit more time tutoring him and, and getting him to understand um, what the car is all about uh, and how, how it operates. But, you know, that he was in at the deep end and do the best you can and, and you work it out as you go along. And uh, I, I remember a famous story he told me one night, and this was after he raced with Garth Tander at Bathurst and, and crashed it. And he said, you know, I'm flying around this track thinking, what the hell am I doing here? You know, what am I supposed to be doing? You know, and he was just barreling into corners and, and things like that. But so, you know, it was a, it's very hard for young kids to make their, their way. And I think there's a great thing with, um, with Triple Eight. You know, they, they coached him a lot and helped him along and Craig was a great influence on him and things like that. But the early days were certainly tough, that's for sure. Wincup's time at GRM was not as long as first thought and it looked like his supercar career could be in trouble, as Graham explains. Oh, it was a disappointment. Um, Gary called me up and uh, he said, can you come down for a chat? And uh, I thought, well, this is to talk about next year's deal and what we're going to do, you know. Jamie certainly wasn't paid very much when uh, when you you drive as the as the second driver at GRM and um, you know you've actually got to earn your keep. And uh, when I got there, uh, he said, "I just thought I'd like you to know that Jamie won't be racing for us next year." And uh, I I was uh, took a, a deep breath and I said, "Oh," uh, and um, I don't think he actually gave me a reason why. And and I went away and I I came back and calling to see Dave on the way back, and I said, Jamie hasn't got to drive next year, you know, and it was very disappointing for him. Um, but in hindsight, something that that was probably good for him um, because he, he, he worked at finding another drive uh, very hard and um, never never took his eyes off what he, he wanted to do. And, uh, you know, he was um, then at Tasman. But Jamie's natural abilities would not be lost to the sport. In 2004, Wincup drove for Larry Perkins in the endurance races before returning to the main series in 2005 with Tasman Motorsport. Tim Miles was part owner of the team and explained how he joined the Tasman Motorsport team. He Darren Parker did a test day with us and um, and Wally Story, who's nobody's fool, uh, came wandering up to Kevin I and said... Um, you need to sign that bloke quickly before somebody else works out how quick he is. So for, for many years, I enjoyed taking the mickey out of Gary Rogers about how Gary let him go. And, and, and you know, the first year he came and drove for, for us, we, we, we he and Jason Richards very nearly won, won Bathurst. So I enjoyed taking the mickey out of Gary Rogers about that. And um, and Roland Dane equally enjoyed taking the mickey out of me about how we let him go from Tasman and uh, and Triple Eight for him. So, um, so, so, so we, he's... he's uh, how would you how would you word it? He, he he was only with us for twelve months, and he and he left us because he knew that he uh, needed to have a better team, a better infrastructure around him than we could give him in Tasman. And uh, he won his first race with Triple Eight when he went there. And um, I got a text from him. I sent him a text congratulating him. He sent me a text back saying thanks. And then uh, I got a text from Roland Dane saying you know, uh, thank you for handing him on. He was chief. So uh, it was. Um, uh, it was interesting to see how how, how uh, much confidence Jamie had and, how, and, and faith in himself when he was such a young bloke back then. Unfortunately, the Tasman team had plans which would not include Jamie moving forward.
we, we were trying to get the team to a level where it was where it uh, justified Murph's signature, and, and so we were trying to keep uh, contracts to short periods, so I said twelve months uh, rather than longer periods, um, and we were also trying to get Holden's support um, for the. Uh, for the drivers and Holden were, were very, very supportive of, of uh, Jason and, and Jamie wasn't yet on, on their books. And um, to be quite honest with you, when ja- Jamie came in and had a conversation with Kevin Murphy about wanting a longer contract, et cetera, et cetera, and, and, and Kev said, Jamie, if, if, if you've got an opportunity to go and drive for Triple Eight, um, you should do it because because we're not building this around you and 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 they'll give you a better opportunity and 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 Kev did the right thing by Jamie and and, and telling him that and and um if, if Jamie hadn't if that hadn't been available to Jamie we would have definitely signed him but but I think um both Kev and I uh, understood that we were we 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 got the funding to put Tasman together from a bunch of Kiwis and it was about promoting Kiwi talent, and, and for that reason, um, Jamie was a bit of a stopgap for us, as silly as that sounds now when you look at all the success he had. Next, the celebrated story of a young driver who was hoping to stay in the sport began. The story goes Jamie flew to Queensland to meet with Roland Dane without the funds for a return ticket. Graham Wincup says perhaps this is more folklore than fact. It sounds like a good story, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, look, I, I, I'm not sure about that, but uh, maybe I should ask him for the money. I gave him for a refund for the airfare. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm not too sure about But I know that Kevin Murphy was trying to renegotiate with Jamie uh, uh, at that stage to uh, to stay with, uh, with Tasman. And uh, Jamie got the opportunity to go and, uh, and talk to Roland and... Uh, and Mike and the others at Triple Eight, uh, he, he thought that would be a, a great team to, to go forward with. And uh, he went up there uh, and, and had a great interview with them. You know, I, I, there were other people that uh, had been interviewed for the job, but Roland said before the interview was over, we knew which guy was going to drive our car. On our next program, we look at the rise and rise of Triple Eight's new star and how Jamie Wincup became the GOAT. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more. Or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.